Hello everyone and welcome back to Let's Get Talking. Big thanks for joining me on Series 2, Episode 5. Now before we get stuck into the episode, I just want to say another big thank you for the continued support and the love and everything that you guys show towards the podcast, whether that's over on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or listening to to each and every episode. It is really, really appreciated. Um, Like I said, I started this podcast a year or so ago now with the aim to get mental health conversations out there to the forefront, share some inspiring stories and just really maybe help a couple of people along the way. Um, So a big thank you for all of you that are helping me to do that. Now today's episode is definitely one of a, uh, a mental health battle, it's also an inspiring story and also a sad story. It has a, a really mix of emotions within it and it's a really powerful story and one that maybe isn't shared enough as it should be. Um, I'm really delighted that Hannah Hodson is joining me on Let's Get Talking um, to share her story of um, incurable cervical cancer. Um, I spoke to Hannah just a week or so ago um, now and it was a really sort of powerful, emotional, uplifting, motivational, positive, all of the sort of words that you can think of um, to put this episode sort of into context um really grateful for to hannah to sharing her story and and giving me and the podcast the time um so i guess without further ado um let's get talking series two episode five with hannah hodson And welcome back to another episode of Series 2 of Let's Get Talking. Moving on to Episode 5, I'm delighted to be joined by Hannah Hodson. Hannah, welcome to the show and thanks so much for taking time to, to join me. Um, I always start with just a simple question. How are you? How are you doing? I'm okay today, thanks Tom. Good. <laughs> Got my thing, so I'm alright. <laughs> uh, obviously, as we um, go into the episode, I think obviously people will, will understand that opening up with the question of how are you is a bit more of a challenging question I would say for yourself and um, obviously when we go through your journey that will be be all explained but before we do delve into sort of your journey and your story from from the beginning um, do you think you could just let all sort of the listeners know about who you are and I, I guess the reason for sharing your story with us all yeah that's fine so obviously I'm Hannah and the reason I wanted to do this podcast with Tom is I currently have stage four incurable cervical cancer um, I think it's it's not really talked about and I think there's a lot of people out there they don't really know what to say to anyone they don't really know how it's actually affecting that person directly so I thought it'd be great to come on here and actually from a first-hand point of view tell you about it but also I can kind of explain how I see it affects others it's obviously not the same for everybody but I'm hoping I can help fingers crossed definitely I'm sure you can and and the things that you're doing already I know we'll talk about a little bit later about your Instagram and and, you know the the things that you're sharing on there I'm sure are already helping but um no I think that sums up really really well to start with um as people if you've listened to the podcast before you're just listening for the first time we always have stories you know of um lots of different things based around mental health and well-being and different life experiences but a sort of a um this is probably a first in terms of discussing well-being and discussing mental health from sort of uh something that you know it's not a we've had people on before as if if you've listened but you know experiencing anxiety or depression or something like that but obviously it's going to be 
quite a, a broad range, um, I'm going to presume, and, and obviously caused by something as well. So firstly, I'm really grateful for you to take time out to share your story. And um, I'm probably not the correct term, but looking forward to for you to yeah. sh you sharing, sharing your journey and hopefully helping people. And, you know, that's the, the main thing. Um, so obviously, as everybody knows, usually the, the way we do with these episodes is I always get my guests to send over sort of a brief summary of their journey. And that's something that you did for me. So let's, let's, if I can take you back to sort of, I think it was late 2014, early 2015. Yes. I think you were 25 and you, you know, you began to notice some problems which took you to your um, GP and, you, and your doctor. Can you discuss a little bit about maybe what those warning signs were and, and sort of that initial process that you went through? Yeah, so obviously initially, I didn't really think much of it, um, you know, like you do, just get on with your every like day-to-day -day life. Um, but obviously, at that time, I was training to be a solicitor then. And so obviously, a lot of my work is spent sat at a desk. And I started to notice regularly that I was getting a numbness in um, the left side of my body. Um, but then I just put it down to just being, you know, sat down for eight, nine, ten hours a day sort of thing. Um, and then I started to get like belly cramps or the just all the usual womenly stuff, mm. to put it that way sort of thing. Um, but then it got to the point I think it was getting it was just a constant pins and needles. And then that was when I was like, I, I don't think something's right here. And I think that's one thing that I always want to stress like I, I knew something wasn't right there like I knew my own body um because obviously I used to dance a lot as well so like I'd know if it was just like an injury or just because I'd overdone it or whatever um so I obviously took myself straight to the doctors and they at the time were like oh yes it's just your age it's just this it's just that and I was like no I'm not leaving here until I'm seen properly because I just know something's not right and then that's when they then set the ball rolling. Um, because I was on 25, just turning 25, so I was sort of on the cusp of being allowed to smear test. Um, so they obviously pushed that forward to allow for me to have it straight away, um, which is obviously really good because even though like you can have it from when you are 25, some people don't get it until they've nearly turned 26. So obviously they started to pick things up a good year ahead of hopefully, you know, a lot. A lot of extra stuff could have happened in that time and like you said there i think that's a already an important message in terms of just trusting your own body and and understanding sort of you know and also i suppose i've seen a lot of different accounts and a lot of different stories where people just go oh like like you just said there maybe it's because i've the job that i do is sitting down a lot or it's just you know i'm feeling a bit rubbish but i think you know that, that important thing to if you feel in that you know that gut instinct that something's not right to, to you know to check it out um and you used to dance with my sister didn't you so yeah that's, I did. That, yeah that's how I should be should be chuffed that I mentioned it because we were sat one Sunday around my parents and she said oh how's the like podcast you know and, and then she she showed me your page and that's when I was like yeah I need need to sort of speak with you and, and give you um always sounds weird when I say to people give them a chance to share their story because it's your story but um it was one that you know just touched me from the start and we'll talk about your Instagram like I said a little bit later yeah. um when we go into that but yeah looking over that and and I'll make sure that we talk about that and and people can follow your your journey and obviously learn a little bit more as well um 
so we obviously went through that process of you know um feeling that something wasn't right and, and reaching reaching out to your your gp how was that process because i've i've read a lot of positive things about that process but also a lot of negative things about approaching gp what was your experience like with that my experience i like initially obviously like i said they not that i wouldn't say they tried to fob me off i think it was just they you know like i said it was age sort of thing yeah on that bracket like, well, sort if of it thing. continues sort of thing then you know but i was like no something isn't right um so in terms of that though i found it very positive because they acted very quickly so i think from that initial appointment to full diagnosis and that was of the cervical and ovarian cancer it was less than a month and i was on treatment within six weeks mm. so i think my experience personally was really positive but then I do I do know other people who have had like really bad experiences and they haven't been seen or they've just told there's such a waiting list and I think some people just aren't aware either so when they're just told oh it probably is that they they're probably not as pushy as me <laughs> where they, they're, they're like oh okay I'll just go home and mm. it'll be fine it'll go away um but I think I do want to say to people out there that it, it can be positive like even if you get that initial negative feeling just just go with your gut and just like the more you do that I think the more the positive the experience will be and you're like at the end of the day it's your body and you'll be more grateful for it mm. yeah definitely and how was that obviously like you said there from sort of that initial contact and then like you said I think it was six weeks up until and then you were you were having treatment how do you um in terms of like from a mindset point of view, I suppose, cope with such a huge shift in from experiencing some sort of, like you say, some problems and issues and noticing and thinking, okay, maybe something's right to then six weeks later, you're starting treatment. I, I can't even begin to imagine how one would start to comprehend that, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard one to actually like explain. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, it's one of those things you kind of you just have to go with it yeah like the thing is this sounds really morbid but you don't really have any other option you either mm. do that or the worst happens so I think you know that fight or flight the fight it just automatically kicks in but obviously mentally it does initially it's like a whoa mm. <laughs> what's happening you know I thought oh something was wrong but like you don't expect them to turn around and say, oh, by the way, it is cancer. And I think it's it's when they tell you that word, I think, I remember, I think I think you've probably seen it on adverts and stuff where they, it's almost like the, the whole room just goes silent around you. Yeah. Like that, you're feeling you're going to pass out sort of thing. It is almost like that because you're like, did I just hear, hear right sort of thing? But then I think I'm the sort of person I was like right okay then what are we doing next mm. so like anyone who know me like that's just you Hannah that's typical you but that's personally just how I deal with it it's just like right come on then this stage this stage this stage but I think part of that is a front like obviously my family see the real like the real bad days like behind the scenes but yeah it's it is quite hard but because <laughs> you, like like, you. you kind of just have to get on with it and yeah and like you said it moves so quickly from when you you made that initial contact to then six weeks so it's almost like obviously there has been a lot of time and will be a lot of time where you have those moments where you're 
alone with it and you're thinking about it but I suppose in that initial time you're like you said you're like right okay what's the next thing we need to do and then you get told that and then suddenly it's the next thing um so in a strange way I guess that sort of forces you to yeah because in such a short space of time like there's from diagnosis to actually starting treatment there's obviously depends on what sort of treatment you're having but if you're having IV treatment some of them you have to go and have like ports put in and then so you have to have this test, this test, this test. So you kind of end up filling that gap with so many tests. It started before you've even like really actually had time to even sit and think and process what's going on. And then obviously, like you say, you move on to that treatment. And I know you had several operations and things like that that um, that happened around that time. I guess I've, I've sort of, we've all, already sort of discussed that. But in terms of moving from step one of asking for sort of help and saying something's not right to step two treatment beginning and sort of getting used to the treatment and the operations and I guess the constant sort of like discussion about it how I guess how did you adapt in your daily life to go from go from one minute like we've said something's not quite right to next sort of operations and treatment and I suppose how did that affect your own um mental health and also like like you said at the start in terms of like the other people around you and the impact that that can have as well um I think once treatment actually started that was when you like the mental health element would really kick in um it probably wasn't so bad initially like back then when I had like the original treatment but if you like fast forward to like during COVID, it's obviously been a lot worse because you do spend a lot of time on your own without anybody in a treatment room. Um, so you can't, you have to sort of learn your own coping mechanisms and what makes it easier for you. And, but if you are having those really crap days, you have to ride them. You can't, you can't be okay every day. You really mm-hmm. can't. And I know like some people are like oh you'll be all right tomorrow and it's like well if I'm not all right tomorrow I'm not all right tomorrow you can't you can't tell me to be all right tomorrow yeah it's it is one of those things that unless you've actually really been in the circumstance you can't like as much as you probably want to you can't actually give any advice on it and I, mm. that probably sounds really horrible to anybody listening but sometimes I think people try to give advice and it's actually like no, you need to stop talking now because you're kind of given the wrong advice sort of thing. Um, so I guess, yeah, I just really learned my own coping mechanism. So I obviously like to read a lot and stuff. Mm. So during treatment, I would literally just read for hours and hours and hours in the hospital. And I think it's because that's an escapism away from it. So then I wouldn't ever be thinking oh gosh, this is actually what's happening sort of thing. But then I guess on the other hand for like my family and stuff, I think it probably, I don't know, it probably hit them a bit more as in, I guess they're watching from the outside in and I know what they always said to me and they still say to me a lot now is they feel helpless. Mm. And then that you can see how that mentally affects them because they're like, there is literally nothing we can do it's completely out of our hands sort of thing and they just have to sit there and watch it happening yeah so. and I suppose you that like you said you can when you're in that moment and you've like you said the coping mechanisms and the mechanisms that you apply that can support you in that moment I suppose but it's like what you just said about the advice type thing um 
you don't really know unless like you said unless you're in it I suppose you don't really know what to say or how you how you feel and, and things like that and that was similar for me um if I'm completely honest preparing for the episode like I said I, I work at a school so I'm in mental health so very much around discussions of like anxiety and um worry and stress and all of the other things so when I've spoke spoken to other people it's not like I'm trying to give advice as yeah. well but there would be discussions you can have about it so I was like okay with this episode and that was something that I really wanted to speak to you as well is that it's just a chance for you to just tell your story and me to listen and maybe if uh, between us like little things that you can say and that can help other people that are a going through it and also be yeah. around, around people that are going through it as well um like you said obviously covid happened and, and and obviously that would have had a big impact in terms of like you said being by yourself in hospitals and access to treatment and things like that moving forward to around that time I think it was around 2019 2020 when things unfortunately began to pick up and sort of spiral um for you um and I think it was around July of 2020 that you had the news that it was incurable um again I suppose a similar question but um how did you even begin to sort of digest that news and like you said earlier, it was when you obviously first discovered it was cancer and you said you, the, the adverts that are around and it's like the room just goes quiet. Yeah. I guess it's like that, but on a completely different scale. Yeah, like obviously like when you asked me about earlier, it's quite, it sounds probably sounds really strange, but it's quite hard to like think back to yeah. exactly how I was at that moment because mm. I think initially there was always a plan in place and it was always the hope that it would be cured and it would be gone so obviously when we hit July 2020 and they obviously were like there's literally nothing else we can do like I yeah I I still don't think I could even try to explain the words today how it feels it is you're just like no no you're joking like is this some form of joke sort of thing and then they're like well we can try this we can try and manage it but ultimately this is the prognosis this is what's going to happen and I don't think I'll like I don't think I'll ever get my head around it until the worst happens sort of thing Mm. because like you tell yourself that is incurable but then you'll have like a really good day and you'll be like this can't be right I feel really good today like but then you'll obviously then get the other days after and then you're like oh yeah this is happening (laughs) great sort of thing but yeah like I just remember when my consultant told me I was just like no, I guess I it's like a massive it. blur as well like like you said before things just stop around you and it's like okay that's happened and then it, I suppose it wasn't only until sort of after that time but I guess then again you're then shoved into another aspect of okay what comes next and it's so yeah. that's something that's I didn't actually think about really like when you when you said it at the start about you know from um diagnosis to then treatment I didn't really I've, I imagine it to be quite a, like a slow sort of like process and but it sounds so quick and so okay this is happening then this is happening I guess you don't even have time to even think about what's happening no you don't like yeah it's literally like okay so you're saying it's incurable but if you can manage it like what can you do but obviously by that time I think I've probably been through about a to z of the drugs in the NHS Mm. so that was when they like really started looking at a lot of trials um and to get on a trial you obviously 
you have to be applicable for like loads of different reasons so obviously as things were changing so quickly they had to just get me on to like the quickest one they could to sort of keep the ball rolling so I guess yeah that was just kind of another whirlwind because you're told that's what's happening and then you're like okay well I'm now back on another trial so then your head then goes back into the treatment space rather than necessarily just the Ill illness space if that yeah makes sense. No, yeah no no it does yeah definitely um and like I mentioned obviously you um set up your Instagram page to sort of track your journey and obviously allow others to um see updates and see what was happening and also give people an insight into sort of what it's like on a daily basis I guess um what was the decision around that to to set that Instagram up was it I guess is it a mixture of a chance for you to just sort of get things out there and sort of a, a coping strategy for you but then also for other people as well yeah definitely it's definitely been very helpful for me mm. um because it helps to get out all the mumble jumble that's going on in my brain but I also think I get asked a lot of the same question daily so like even if I'm on a dog walk and I bump into someone like some days i I'm not being rude, but I just don't want to have the conversation because if you end up having that conversation five times in one day, it's, it's really draining. And you just end up sat on the sofa at the end of the night, like, oh, right, yeah, just yeah. spent my whole day talking about it, basically, <laughs> mm. sort of thing. So, yeah, like myself and my husband thought, why don't we set up the page? And then at least I can explain really what's going on because um, it's also, it is quite complicated sometimes to explain what's going on. And also so obviously it's helpful for everyone to see but it's also really helpful for him from mm. a mental point of view because he doesn't know what to say to people on he doesn't even know what to say to me some of the time which is fair enough sort of thing and I guess sometimes I put a block up around him so it also helps him because if I'm venting on that as well not that I don't say everything to him but he can sometimes obviously see exactly how I'm feeling and he can be like oh she really is just putting on that brave face today whereas her Instagram that is how she is actually feeling yeah. so it's kind of it's that's it's kind of another coping mechanism to sort of support my mental health but it also is helping his mental health and then everyone else around me I guess because then they can sort of see what's going on and then maybe they don't feel I don't know so bad about it if they don't ask or whatever because it's out there they've seen it yeah, they don't, when they see me then they don't feel they have to be like oh you're right yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's fine just you know you've seen it you don't have to worry sort of thing it's actually quite lovely when you put it that like in terms of especially with someone obviously as close to you as your husband in terms of like if you are having one of those days you just mentioned where you 10 people have asked how you are or latest update or whatever it is and you don't you're in that space like you say in the evening where you just don't want to talk but you put something on Instagram and when you when you worded it like that it was like I, I could really like picture that as a coping strategy um, yeah but I, really nice. I find it a lot easier to write stuff down as well I always mm. have done sort of thing like obviously talking's really good but sometimes I just need to, sometimes I will just get a pad of paper and just write whatever on it. And it's just, it's just almost like dumping it out of my brain sort of thing. And then once it's kind of like, Instagram's really weird. It's like kind of once you've written it, you've done it, it's gone. Yeah, and it's yeah. almost like that's gone out of my head. And that really helps. 
Yeah, and I, I'm a massive fan of uh, like writing and and journaling and things like that for a coping strategy. And that's what I say to a lot of the young people that I work with is such a good thing because you can have, like you said, loads of mumble and a million things going on. Um, and sometimes you can talk about it and that's absolutely fantastic. And that's one of the best ways too. but sometimes things can get lost and the conversation changes and things like that. So um, no, definitely. And, uh, and in terms of the Instagram, like you say, you do post um, a lot of updates and um, on there. And also it, there's, I'm going to sound like I haven't looked at it, but I promise I have. <laughs> there's something related, like with the clothing brand that's happening now, isn't there? Yes. To Instagram. Do you want to just explain it? Because I have yeah, seen it and I do funny. love it, but I've, my brain is like gone. Um, so my Instagram is oh, just F off. I think we all know what the F stands for. Yeah. Um, so this is obviously, that is generally how you feel. I think if you speak to anyone having cancer or any terminal illness or just anyone having a bad day, that is generally how they feel. Yeah. Um, so myself and you'll see on my Instagram, it's designs by GNR, um, have done a little range uh, of merchandise really. So we've got hoodies, sweatshirts, t-shirts and tote bags, which um, say Ojas F on, F off on in different variations. And then all uh, profits from them are going to Cancer Research UK, which I think is a great idea. And it's also, um, it's also to help promote women to go and get their smear test because um, if you look at one of the um, jumpers it says are you one in four and that's one in four women over especially over covid would have received their um, smear test letter and literally just put it in the bin and ignored mm. it and that is an awful lot of people and I know like there is a stigma around it and it's not very nice sort of thing but I like if you look at my Instagram I did do a post back at the start and the length it takes to have a smear test is less than waiting for a COVID test to develop, like mm. from going into the doctors and out. And it's like, would you rather go and be a bit uncomfortable for five minutes? And, or would you, you rather miss that and then have cancer and you don't, you could, that could have been sorted sort of thing. Mm. So I think it's also to try and promote, to normalize smear tests and just normalize knowing that if, you want to get your body checked you go and get your body checked whether you're male female whatever you go and get it checked because if something's not right it's better to get it sorted you know straight away than just sit in there six months down the line for something which doesn't need to develop yeah 100 percent. so there is definitely a lot of things in there so firstly make sure you go and follow hannah's um instagram page oh just f off i love saying that that's brilliant um and please check out the um the clothing and the merchandise on there uh, and you know if you can purchase anything at all that will obviously help spread the message and also um, raise money for cancer research uk and then please if you are one of those people that have listened now and thinking oh actually yeah i, I think i did have a letter and haven't done anything about it or you're due to have one or whatever it is or you just think that you you're not sure please get in touch with is it all done through your doctors yeah that's correct yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or through down to GP, so please give them a call and, and you know, get get it get it checked out and, and do what you need to do. Um, and sort of on the on the Instagram um, thing, obviously you do post a lot of recent updates on there. And as we discussed the other evening, there has been um, an update recently. Um, are you okay to share that with us all? 
Yeah, I know that's fine. Yeah. Brilliant. I just thought I'd double check because I know it's quite fresh and quite new. And um, but but yeah, if you obviously if you do follow Hannah, you would have seen the update. But if you don't, um, obviously at the time when this is going out, um, could you just give us a sort of a little update about where you stand with everything now? Yeah, no, that's fine. So obviously when we started this page, we didn't quite expect things to be as escalating as quickly as they have. Mm. Um, so I was not long after starting the page, I was on another trial and then that trial, they stopped it because on the last lot of scans I had, basically my cancer had grown, it had grown by 25 to 30% in the space of three weeks, which is obviously an awful lot when normally it's been about two to three percent on the average scan so they obviously stopped the trial because they thought it was the drug escalating the tumors and the growth but then obviously they did the analysis and then it actually turns out no it's not it's just my cancer's decided that it's yeah so basically I think as I said in my post it's had a party and a rave around my body yeah I was just about to say that I can remember that from the update yeah. so I think now I think we're we're at about 78% of my body is now cancer basically which like when you say it like that it's it's really shit mm. but then like I suppose I use humor as like quite a coping mechanism as well and then I'm just like well my brain's still fine so mm. until but I think your your positivity fine. and your like sense of humor is absolutely remarkable I think anybody listen listening to this whatever you take from it whether you're someone that's experiencing it themselves or got a loved one or a friend or just simply listen to it because you like like the podcast or just came across it I think if one thing you can take is positivity in the face of absolute sort of I don't can't even I don't know what the correct word is but you know what I'm trying to say um I'm trying to word it, but I'm trying to not to get emotional at the right time because it's just honestly like I work with loads of young people and and I think we all go about our lives like getting so hit up on small things that we don't need to be hit up on. And when you hear a story like yours, not only does it fill by me and anybody else, I think that would follow your page or listen to this with like just positivity. And it's strange because I'm saying it with a smile on my face because your (laughs) sense of humor is just brilliant, but also just being able to just speak with you and hear your story is just brilliant. Um, and like, I'm not going to try and give you any advice because you just said a minute ago is the worst, sometimes the worst thing somebody could do. Um, <laughs> I guess on that one, if um, I was thinking about sort of maybe questions I could ask, but after everything you've experienced, you know, from that um, initial diagnosis to sort of the treatment and to the updates and setting up the Instagram page and that taking off and now we'll see the clothing if you're like looking back on before all of this started and like I said I work with young people so maybe like 16 17 years of age what was one thing that or one phrase or sentence or maybe more than one thing you would say sort of back to yourself that's quite a, like a big question to throw at you oh, but... yeah I think like it probably sounds really cliche but it's a bit like what you just said about worrying like literally Mm. like don't sweat the small stuff like that's one thing I've really learned like stuff that some people like obviously everyone's entitled to have what they have going on and that doesn't what people have have going on doesn't take it like 
Does that make sense? Doesn't take away from what I've got going on. Yeah, yeah, Doesn't yeah. take away from what they've got going on, what I've got going on sort of thing. But sometimes I just think, is that really going to make a difference in your life? No. Why, like, and I think, obviously, going to uni, training to be a solicitor, like, it was hard. And I think I probably put a lot of stress on myself that I didn't need to put on myself. And I think if I could go back and tell myself before that, I'd still do the same journey, but be like, just, just don't panic. <laughs> it will all, it will all just slot into place, sort of thing. So I think that would probably be the best advice I could give to, you know, a young adult or late teenager. Just, just go with it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's again, I think it's not only has it been remarkable to hear your journey in terms of the cancer, but your. Um, some of the things you've said in terms of like they're just being able to just go with it and not worry too much about the small things and you know the coping strategies that you provided as well it's been great to to hear um so if people do want to obviously follow your journey and i hope that they really do the instagram i'm gonna set again because i just like <laughs> is oh just f off over on instagram and through that you can obviously find all of the 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 clothing and the obviously raising awareness and and the raising funds as well for cancer research uk um hannah honestly i can't thank you enough for sharing your story um on the on the podcast um being so open and honest um and like i said your positivity and your sense of humor i think and i'm sure everyone around you and who listens to this will think you're tremendously brave and we all wish you like all the very best um it was in a strange way a really enjoyable conversation (laughs) because it's something that I've never really spoken to about with someone before um and just to hear your even in the lowest of lows that your positivity that you have and your and your sense of humor is fantastic so thank you so much for coming on to to let's get talking um what is there anything you want to leave people with i know we spoke about obviously your instagram and obviously the importance of of having your smear test is there anything you want to leave like a message you want to leave with people before we finish um i think what i would say if like if you do know anyone with cancer like i know i obviously said they can't really give advice but my best bit of advice coming from literally just listen to us i think that sometimes that is all we need like we don't need anyone to say oh it will be okay or this will happen or they might find something else we don't want that we just want to literally just sit and just blab (laughs) and I think that's like the best piece of advice I could give to someone and obviously make them a cup of tea because that always helps (laughs) yeah definitely a couple of biscuits on the side (laughs) um well before I actually go because we've just brought up tea and biscuits what this is really random but i just thought hey let's finish with this what biscuit would you have with a cup of tea oh no have we just stumbled i think we could have just stumbled on across a new segment for my podcast yeah asking people what biscuit they have i'm 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 always a custard cream i am i have to say they do this on a certain channel for breakfast program don't they have you ever seen that yeah i've just stole their idea they'll probably be on me now um I reckon it would have to be a chocolate hobnob. That is a strong one. This, this got <laughs> that's got the only biscuit I could have. I think yeah, <laughs> that's a strong one. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for for coming on, um, sharing all the advice that you've had, sharing your story, and also 
randomly at the end sharing what biscuit you'd have with tea um i wish you all the best yeah (laughs) and make sure you follow the instagram um i'm gonna say again oh just f off on instagram loads of things will be on the podcast instagram as well so check that out um and i'm sure we'll stay in touch um but yeah i just wish you all the very best and a big thank you thank you very much So a big thank you to everyone that took time to listen to Series 2, Episode 5 with Hannah. And like I did say on the end of the episode, just right there a minute ago, a big thanks to Hannah for sharing your story and being so brave and so open. And I'm sure that will help a lot of people that are either experiencing the same thing or going through it with a loved one, friend or whoever it may be. So a big thank you from everyone connected with Let's Get Talking to Hannah. Next, we'll be moving on to episode six, coming towards sort of the back end of series two now. And the guest will be revealed very soon over on the Instagram page, along with also the return of um, some Instagram live conversations. So please do keep an eye out on the social media pages. And in the meantime, please, if you are struggling or you are feeling low or you need some support with anything, reach out to a trusted friend or your parents or whoever it may be that you trust uh, and get the help that you need and let's get mental health to the forefront of every conversation and on the topic of episode five with Hannah if you are living with cancer or a loved one or supporting someone through that journey like I said on the description of this episode there are some fantastic organizations and charities that can help you with that such as Macmillan Cancer Support so please do check out their website and their pages for extra support and uh, we will see you next time on let's get talking thank you very much